Hey everyone, this is Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com, Security Boulevard, Container Journal, and I'm here with David Habusha, VP Product of White Source. David, welcome. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. So, David, I, you know, some, I, I'm always torn between just saying white source and white source software, white source security. What is what what is the proper term these days around white source? Oh, the company name uh, is White Source Software. The product is White Source. Uh, actually, it's going to become a suite of products. A white Source for containers, the one that we're going to discuss today, is the first one in the suite. Uh, so just use White Source. <laughs> That's easy. It's easy. Exactly. So, David, you know, for, I think most people in our audience are probably familiar with White Source already. But if not, just give a, maybe you know, a quick elevator kind of story on what, what is White Source about? Sure. Uh, we help uh, businesses all over the world uh, to harness the power of open source. Uh, what we basically provide them is uh, the uh, peace of mind when it comes to uh, using open source. Uh, with regards to uh, compliance and, and security and quality of the components. Uh, our technology allows them to scan all of their uh, applications, understand what are the uh, open source packages being used by these apps, including all the dependent packages. Uh, and we're talking today about more than 80% of any uh, lines of code in any app that are open source. Um, and then we apply um, um, some workflows, uh, policies, alerting and reporting logic uh, based on that. We uh, have the uh, largest database of uh, open source security vulnerabilities uh, and, and we provide our customers with their current and, and posture with regards to security and compliance as well as uh, some trends and allowing them to uh, um, actually safeguard their software development lifecycle using open source components. Excellent. And, you know, not to belabor, because I want to jump into what we want to talk about today, but, you know, certainly oh, the open source components make up such a, a large, it's kind of like when we buy cars that are supposedly made in one country or another, but so many of the parts, the third party parts are manufactured in different countries. Uh, it's the same thing with our applications today, right? So many of the components that make up that application, so much of the functionality comes from components that are really kind of pre-written and just, I don't want to use the term Frankenstein, but um, you know, added to the mix to add the, func the, the needed functionality. So you know, people don't realize that when they're using any application today, chances are that application, you know, within it is, is using more than several components, many, many of which are open source. So, oh, yeah. makes sense, David, yeah? Yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, uh, we did a, a big survey in 2018 about, uh, you know, the, uh, the volume of, of using open source uh, in small to largest organizations, and it's just like all over the place. And uh, um, you know, when, when it comes to these large organizations, they don't even realize how many open source they have in the organizations in the various teams. It's just uh, out of control, and you really need to be in control of what's going on and what components are being used and, and be on top of that all the time throughout the software development lifecycle. Understood. Good phone here in the office. I apologize, David. But you know, when we talk about applications today, of course, the 
the kind of a lot of a lot of the infrastructure, a lot of the deployment, a lot of the design is around uh, containerized applications, right? So in other words, between microservices and, and so forth, we are developing containers that exist in uh, developing applications, excuse me, that, that run in a containerized environment. And things like Kubernetes and Docker and, and so forth have become, you know, the, the, I don't want to say it's dominant yet because I don't know if it's truly dominant, but it's certainly a, a, the, the platform of choice, if you will, or the architecture of choice of many of today's up, you know, up and coming applications. Would you agree? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, by a survey that we ran and actually speaking to uh, several analysts, uh, Kubernetes is around 90% of the market when it comes to container orchestration platforms. Um, and we just see this number growing. Um, we see a lot of organizations standardizing around Kubernetes and a lot of solutions being added on top of Kubernetes like service meshes uh, and, and monitoring and many others. Um, with regards to the use of containerized systems, yes, um, depending on the maturity level of uh, enterprises, uh, they, we see a lot of shift towards creating a modular architecture where software is being delivered as uh, smaller pieces of microservices. Uh, the more, more um, mature organizations, they have hundreds or, or thousands of microservices being consumed by multiple different apps, but the ones that uh, just started exploring containers and microservices architectures, they may have a very few apps that uh, um, may have some of the services uh, being containerized and run as microservices just to understand how the environment works. And then when they understand, when they realize the uh, uh, huge advantage of uh, software reuse and the use of containers, they actually uh, make it a standard in the organizations. Now, that the maturity level spans across, uh, you know, just having one or two, you know, containerized environments for very few applications, or maybe just starting with the new apps. Uh, up until, you know, organizations that decided that they will migrate all the existing apps, you know, to, towards uh, microservices architecture. And by that, the, uh, the actual solutions that uh, they employ vary between just having sporadic images here and there, and storing these images in uh, in container registries, like uh, could be a Google Cloud registry, AWS CCR, Azure Container Registry, or even JFrog Artifactory, uh, to the ones that actually have a, mo a model of running a production uh, orchestration platform, such as Kubernetes, where they actually run multiple different uh, containers based on organizational policies, based on workloads, et cetera. Got it, absolutely. And, and you know, David, look, let's be honest, there, this whole, you know, move to a, a, an orchestra, excuse me, a containerized architecture and orchestration with Kubernetes, et cetera, I mean, obviously, it presents unique, as, as we've, you know, you've touched on, it presents unique security challenges. And, 
there really has grown up a, not grown up, but there are several that, you know, organizations that are uh, container security. I mean, they were, I mean, that was their original reason for, for coming about. And then there are several companies from big to small who are seeing the, the challenges from a security point of view in, in a container architecture and are, and are attempting to, uh, you know, attempting to, to meet the challenge. What, what's White Source doing around this that, and what makes it unique, you think? So uh, it uh, actually moves the problem from the build uh, and test stage to the deploy stage. So uh, while um, White Source traditionally and many other vendors uh, provided uh, security solutions for containers during the build phase, and uh, actually when they store these uh, uh, images in container registries, uh, like I mentioned, now uh, organizations look into having solutions that will enforce compliance on their runtime environment in Kubernetes. So first of all, they want to be able to check every new image that is being added to the Kubernetes cluster to make sure that it's, it's a clean image, that it doesn't have any high severity security vulnerabilities associated with it, and that it doesn't violate um, organizational policy with, with regards to compliance or quality. But then uh, it doesn't stop there because new security vulnerabilities are published all the time. Uh, one of them, by the way, was published last week, which, which is the Run C. Mm -hmm. It actually affects the uh, runtime or the, the uh, orchestration platform, Kubernetes, or uh, in this case, it's also OpenShift itself. So, so these customers want to make sure that, uh, first of all, they introduce secured images to the, uh, to the cluster because these images are going to run in production. Um, and then they want to make sure that if a new security vulnerability is published, they will immediately be alerted on this vulnerability and understand what are the images that, uh, that are affected by the vulnerability and may take them out of order. So um, there's two ways. One of them is, is uh, and it kind of resembles the IDS and IPS um, terminology when it comes to firewalls and, and, and traditional security systems. So first of all, there's the monitoring and being able to understand what images you have in the cluster. Um, and, and, and White Source uh, provides uh, what's called a management pod that runs as part of the Kubernetes engine. That first of all, that scans all the images and whenever a new image is being added, to the cluster, it's capable of reporting all the uh, vulnerabilities associated with it, but also report on newly published security vulnerabilities. But more, moreover, uh, and that's unique to, uh, to White Source, is we're capable of actually enforcing compliance in production. So we don't allow to add new vulnerable images to the uh, cluster, but we also can take runtime running images from the cluster in case a new security vulnerability is being introduced. And that's based on the organizational policy. Again, it's a matter of vulnerability, of maturity of the organization and the severity of the vulnerability. So assuming that first organization will do the monitoring only, but I'm, I'm sure, and we do have some customers that also uh, enforce compliance in runtime as well.
So this, this enforcement in, in runtime is really, um, I mean, it's a bit of a departure for white source, right? It's much more proactive. That's correct. That's, that's uh, our first move in that direction to uh, uh, production. And, and the Dockerized uh, you know, environment, uh, it actually makes sense to be the first one to, to allow these types of, uh, of, of technologies to be applied. Uh, and we kind of monitor the uh, image throughout the full life cycle from the build phase to the deployment and production phase. Uh, and that's something that we're exploring if, if we should pursue more than just Dockerized environment in the future, maybe looking to uh, uh, securing also uh, virtual machines and uh, looking at uh, modern technologies uh, um, such as microkernels and, and others as well. Serverless. So, you know, David, I'm reminded of my own history when one of the companies I co-founded, it was at the time when intrusion detection was all the rage and we started moving into intrusion prevention where we were actively blocking, you know, bad traffic. And I remember, though it made perfect sense to me to do, many of our customers, you know, were scared to death that they were going to inadvertently block something that was important whether it be a CEO's email or, or something less important. Um, I'm wondering what kind of feedback you've gotten from customers and testers on, on the proactive blocking or the proactive remediation here. Uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting because the feedback is not just technical. Uh, it kind of uh, brings up the... Uh, known friction between the dev teams and the security teams and the DevOps. Yep. Um, and, 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 you know, it kind of allows the uh, security and DevOps team for the first time to actually control the life cycle of the software deployment. So they're not in the mercy of the development teams to uh, resolve issues at the build time because they can actually now enforce uh, compliance in, in, in the runtime. With, when it comes to uh, running uh, um, software or, or applications with known vulnerabilities. So uh, they're doing it with caution because they still need the dev teams to fix these issues back in the build time and then recreate re, uh, these images and redeploy them. Uh, usually they do it automatically in the CI CD pipeline. So they have like a full pipeline that compiles, uh, commits, uh, merges everything to the master branch in the repo generates a microservice, which is then being stored as a, as a Docker image in one of the container registries and then being deployed to the container orchestration platform. But at least if they decide that, uh, you know, there's a high severity vulnerability that affects the, uh, uh, one of the running images or more than one, they can actually uh, take it out of order and remove it from the production system. So, I mean, that, that's, that's the feedback that we're looking and, and they're happy to have this control. Um, many of them are still looking for the cooperation of the, dev of the dev teams, but now they have like the leverage over the dev teams because they control the runtime environment. I got it. I, 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 I hear that. You know, it's fine. No matter, no matter how many things change, a lot of it stays the same too. Um, yeah. And that, that kind of friction between teams, of course, 
key to DevOps, right, is how do we break down these silos? How do we break down that friction? How do we all work together? Because at the end of the day, we all have a common goal, right, which is to have great, secure applications that serve our customers and make our company more profitable, more efficient, you know, better. And, and, and sometimes I think people lose sight of that. Right? They get so involved in territories and, and defending the turf uh, that they, they forget. But anyway, David, what, what you know, uh, it's RSA season, so it's a big time of year in security. There's usually new, new product launches and new news. Uh, we're about a week out, two weeks out from RSA. Any, any news or anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned, we're, uh, to actually deliver a suite of tools uh, for containers is the first one. Uh, and we're, uh, strengthening, strengthening our effective usage analysis, which allows customers to more effectively prioritize security vulnerabilities based on the actual usage. Uh, of the apps and not by just looking at the reported vulnerabilities. But in the last uh, year, we've been also working on providing developers with the right tools to work in their environment um, to uh, remediate security and compliance issues uh, when it comes to uh, integrated uh, uh, GitHub application and, and soon to be uh, supporting additional uh, repositories and also looking into uh, ID integration. We're going to launch uh, a new um, a new product suite called White Source for Developers that will incorporate all these developer tools. Uh, again, talking about the same friction, it will allow better cooperate between security and DevOps team and the developers team because it will bring all these uh, all these open source uh, information into their existing day-to-day environments, whether it's their IDEs or their repositories, uh, allowing them to easily resolve security issues and, and stay within their environment and cooperate better with the uh, other teams. So this is something that we're going to launch in the next quarter and we're very excited about it as well. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Well, David, um, you know, as I told you before we got on, the time goes incredibly quick. If I told you we're over 20 minutes already, you probably wouldn't believe me, but we are. And uh, we're going to need to call a wrap on this Dev- DevOps chat. Are, you know what? Are you going to be coming out to RSA, David? Are we going to have a, a, a pretty large... Uh, oh, I know White Source will be, yes. Yeah, uh, myself, uh, I will not be there, but we're going to have... Uh, yeah. <laughs> A very large delegation of people uh, with a very nice booth. Uh, and we're well, not only that, you'll also be, you know, DevSecOps Days is Monday, March 4th. It's the fifth year we're putting that on in partnership with RSA. And of course, oh. White is always, or has been the last few years anyway, is sponsoring that as well. So um, you, you'll have a, a nice uh, table with, with folks from the company there. Uh, for anyone who who stops by and, and consider that an invitation, but David, I'm I'm sorry we won't see you there, but hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Yeah, I'm sure, and and thank you so much. Thank you so much for being our guest today, David Habushev, uh, VP Product White Source.
uh, here on DevOps Chat. This is Alan Schimmel. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you on the next DevOps Chat.